Welcome to Opening the Door Podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today, you'll hear a conversation I had with Molly about mediumship. It was really fun to do a mediumship-specific episode for you, and Molly has such a wonderful energy. I think you're really going to love this conversation, learn a lot more about mediumship and what it's like connecting with people on the other side. I got connected with Molly through Instagram. I had seen that the Psychic Teachers podcast shared a story post that Molly had shared, you know how it goes on Instagram. And I was like, ooh, ooh, a medium, because I do find it a little bit tough sometimes to find like straight psychic mediums or mediums to come on the show. So I was super excited and also so excited to be connected with Molly through um, a podcast that we both love. So I, the Psychic Teachers podcast was one of the first podcasts that I started listening to to learn about all the types of the subject stuff. And it was the same for Molly. So that's a fun little thread. And you'll hear us chat about that a little bit in this podcast. Enjoy and remember, don't be afraid to open your door. Today, we're welcoming Molly to Opening the Door podcast. Molly is a queer psychic medium. She believes that intuition is something every person is born with, and she is passionate about helping people understand and work with their natural gifts. Molly stumbled into intuitive work while on a journey to heal her mental health. Because of this, her work bridges traditional psychic work with therapeutic techniques to heal and strengthen the mind, body, and spirit. Molly, welcome to Opening the Door. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Really excited to have you on and chat through mediumship, your own spiritual journey, and just like all the good stuff that encompasses that. So tell me about your spiritual journey. Where did it start for you? And how did you get to you know, calling yourself where you are now a psychic medium. Yeah. Well, it was like, I I did not ever think that I would be here. (laughs) I grew up really Catholic. Like I just mentioned to you and, uh, went to Catholic school my whole life, you know, was very much in that belief system growing up. And was always, you know, like watching Charmed and and secretly interested in this world, but just thought that it was something you watched on TV and it was not a real thing. And uh, when I was a teenager, I started to really develop pretty severe depression and anxiety and struggled with that for many years and was in a really bad way. And by the time I hit 20, um, I started seeing a therapist because I was like, all right, like you're, we're not going to make it to 21 here if we don't, if we don't get some help. So thank God, I just found the right therapist. And it was actually my therapist who a couple months into just regular talk therapy was like, okay, I got to tell you something. And I was like, what are you about to tell me right now? And she was like, I don't want to freak you out. Well, at the time I was working as a church choir director. So this was like very new. She was like, I don't want to freak you out, but I'm a medium. And I think that you're a medium. And I think that that's one of the reasons that your anxiety specifically is so severe is like, you're picking up on stuff that does not belong to you. So that changed my whole life. And um, I went home and started well, I, I had like a couple of days where I was just like, what the hell is <laughs> it's happening right now? And then went home and started listening to the Psychic Teachers podcast, which is, which is, uh, we were just talking about that. And then from there, my therapist, it would become like a half hour of talk therapy and a half hour of like psychic training. And she taught me how to talk to dead people and how to work with my intuition which is why in my own work, when I work with clients, it's, it's because I was just thrown into this on a separate mental health journey. I really bridge those two things together. I think, you know, in order to really listen to and trust your intuition, it requires some self-help. It requires understanding the ways in which you grew up blocking that side of you. You know what I mean? So yeah, when I got into that, it was just like light bulbs went off and, oh my God, this is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. And here we are nine years later. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. I I just feel like it feels like such, I don't know if divine intervention is the right word, or it just feels so like it's such a divine connection that you found 
on your first therapist? I mean, was that your first try at like finding a therapist or actually, I think my third therapist, you know what they say, third time's a charm. Well, there you go. (laughs) And my first one as an adult, you know, I started going to therapists as a teen, but my parents chose my therapist for me, you know? So it really, I mean, I think it was totally divine intervention that it was predestined that this woman was supposed to be in my life. That is so cool. And I also think it's such a good nod to psychic mediums and witches and secretly spiritual people are in every workplace. They are your teachers and they're your therapists and they're your grocery store checkout people. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, we sort of treat it as, or society sort of treats, sort of treats it as this weird separate thing, but they're, we're everywhere. Yeah. We're just walking around. (laughs) I have quite a few clients and, and, you know, when I do traditional readings and I also do coaching sessions, I teach people how to work with us. And I have a lot of clients and it's increased since 2020 that are therapists and that are teachers. And I think people in traditional healing fields over the past few years have really woken up to this, which I'm always excited when a therapist comes for a reading with me because it's like, yeah, I mean, chances are you have people who who are dealing with mental health issues that may be not 100% caused, but may be really affected by the fact that they're an empath, are naturally intuitive and don't know it. So I'm so grateful that people are opening their minds because uh, people need help, you know, especially teens who are highly empathic. They need help. They need support. Mm, Yeah, that is so cool. What, what a unique part of your story. I just think that I, I really, really love that. So let's talk about mediumship a little bit more. Obviously when I introduce the podcast, every episode I say, you know, you know, helping you open the door to your psychic and mediumship abilities. So what does mediumship feel like to you? How do people's loved ones come through for you? And what does it feel like when you're channeling that sort of energy? It feels way more subtle than I ever thought it could feel. (laughs) Because again, I was that kid who was like watching Charmed and Buffy and Harry Potter. And you know, and, and you look at Hollywood's depiction of magic and it's so in your face and it's so loud, you know, And I think that was the, I think that was the kind of the weirdest thing for me to experience. And I think it's really important as psychics to, to say, you know, to talk about their experience here, because it was so subtle for me, like very few moments in my psychic development journey, did I have like, aha, light bulb moments, a lot of it just felt very like, oh, this is it? Oh, okay. Like this is, I feel like I've already kind of been doing it. And, and truly it's because I think most of us already are doing it. You know what I mean? I, I have, I think I have a different view of mediumship than some traditional mediums, because there's that old school of thought of like, you're either born a medium or you're not. And if you don't have the gift, you can't do it. And I kind of think that's nonsense. I think anyone can, can, do mediumship to me when I'm channeling loved ones it feels very subtle again it happens in my mind's eye I hear them with my own voice I'm not hearing a stranger's voice in my head and it really just feels like a meditation you know people ask me all the time like what can I do to start developing my psychic gifts and no one wants to hear it but the answer is meditate (laughs) (laughs) because if you can hold that focus and meditation you know I have had I, I have had crazy experiences with spirits with people just just not thinking about it just sitting down and meditating and I really think that is the magical place where all of this stuff kind of happens you know Um, Yes, absolutely. Did that answer your question? I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it did. And I think what, like you, you're making a really good point that, and I've said this, I feel like listeners are probably like, yeah, Haley, you say it every episode, but every time I talk with somebody, it's just reinforced that our minds and our bodies are such powerful places to be and they can accomplish so much more than this sort of like baseline physical that we do every day. And I just, 
I just love that idea. It feels so magical, right? And it feels like what you what we grew up watching and and all that stuff is is a little bit real, you know. It sort of brings that magic to life. Totally. And I think even though I I had like a phase of kind of grieving the fact that I didn't have like the Harry Potter Hogwarts letter all of the sudden I'm a psychic moment, but in the long run I think it really helped me understand that in my eyes, intuition really is the most natural thing, not even to our species, but like to this universe, we're all intuitive. And so to have it feel so natural, I think for me was just a validation of, oh, you're not crazy. The times that you got a panic attack at a concert are at like a crowded show it's not that you were crazy. It's that you were literally feeling everyone's energy around you. And that's why this was happening. So yeah, it, it like that subtlety actually really helped me validate the, the stuff that I was doing that most of us are doing or since the day we get to this planet, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And speaking of concerts, I was actually at Taylor Swift a few weekends ago and I, I, it was so weird. I actually had a, one of my friends was there and asked me, have you ever cried at a concert? And I was like, no, I'm really not a crier in general. I don't really cry at movies. It's pretty rare. And any of that stuff, I'm just like, no, I'm not really a crier. And then she sang, I don't know how familiar you are with her discography, but she sang Marjorie, which is about her grandmother. Aww. And I just felt like I could feel everyone in the stadiums, like, feeling about their own grandmother and about their own past loved ones. And it like brought back a lot of like the feelings I have during mediumship when you're bringing through feelings from loved ones and you're getting feelings from the person who's sitting for you. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. And I did cry because it was like you, I like, you know, just absorbed all of that, all the energy in the stadium almost, you know? So that, that's a really interesting experience. And yeah, I, I also really do believe that, we're all born intuitive. Like we, it's, and it's also a muscle, you know, I think we all wish we had that huge moment of like, bah, I'm a psychic medium now. And like, I'm just receiving every single second and I'm bringing in through all this magic. And it does feel like that sometimes, but it's also a muscle. So it's like, you're, you're not really going to go to the gym and expect to deadlift 250 pounds. Right. <laughs> totally. Which uh, to me brings it back to like meditating, you know, it's like in order to build that muscle, you have to, and in this world of like distraction, you have to get rid of the distraction every once in a while, you know, at, at least for me. And I think for a lot of people that I like do coachings for and talk to about this, I think the hardest part of intuition isn't developing it, but is entrusting the feelings that we've always had, you know, and, and to me, that's one of the reasons that we need to have time to like, get the world out of our minds a little bit and tune into ourselves, because that really is the most challenging piece of this, I think, for a lot of people is like, you know, when I do, when I teach people how to do mediumship, uh, you know, we walk, we go through exercises, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, do, I'm gonna guide you through meditation, we're gonna talk to your spirit guides today, we're gonna talk to your grandmother today, I'm gonna show you a picture of one of my loved ones, you're gonna talk to them today. and people get it like that. You know, the information comes in instantly, immediately. It takes very little effort, but they question themselves. And so they'll be seeing something and they won't say it out loud. You know, if I see a, a plate of spaghetti in my head, that feels silly for me to see in that moment, but say it because, you know, that person's grandmother could have, that, that could have been their favorite food. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. it's, it's, it's trusting that stuff that comes to you because it comes to you. It, it comes to you. You just have to do it. You know? Yeah. And getting quiet can be so helpful with that. And I think you're right. There's a lot that we absorb throughout our whole our days that really aren't ours, especially if you're spending time scrolling on social, we all do it. No shame mm -hmm. at all. But yeah. So I think it's good to use discernment to be like, okay, how much, how much is flowing through into my brain that I need <laughs> and yeah. like using that, that quietness too. And yeah, we're, if we're talking a little bit more about mediumship, I did a reading the other day for someone and I was bringing through her uncle, um, who was kind of an unexpected, um, you know, person to show up for her and, in what I was seeing was he, you know, was really encouraging her to shake things up. You know, he was bringing this message message through, but he was also 
it like showing me a lot of chaos within himself, sort of like he was knocking things over. He was like running around, he was doing it. But, and I didn't mention that because I was like, I don't know, this sounds a little crazy. Like, I don't know. And then we were talking about him afterwards. She was like, yeah, he was kind of like a loose cannon. And I was like, okay. So I like should have mentioned that right off the bat because it was such a huge confirmation that it was him. So like even people who are doing this, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, I, my books aren't open yet, but I'm, you know, doing the work and it's like, even people who are doing this and have been practicing for quite a while, like we don't always give every single detail that comes through. Totally. And I think it's important that you share that because there's like an expectation of perfection, I think, that we have as humans, but certainly as people getting into this work. And and I understand it, you know, like it, ethical psychic, you know, readings are extremely important to me. And I take this seriously because this is, you know, this is important stuff that we're talking about. And at the same time, I think it is crucial to acknowledge that like we're all humans I do that all the time you know I I can't tell you how many times nine years into doing this work that I don't say something and then it comes out later and I'm like I should have just said it why am I not trusting myself in that moment you know and I think it's important for us to say that because I also think there are too many people in the world who like listen to their teachers and put their teachers up on a pedestal. And I think that gets into really dangerous territory. You know, like I'm very about, you know, your intuition better than I know your intuition. So listen to what I'm telling you, but you take that and you run with it, you know, never, ever, ever listen to me 100% because you may do things differently and that's totally okay. Totally. Yeah. I, I really agree with that. Like everybody's human experience is a little bit different. Everybody's intuition is going to work in a little bit of a different way, you know, and it's, I also find it um, like, what are some things that you use to describe to clients about how you receive information? Sometimes I'm like, here's what I receive. Like, so I have, I'm like pretty clairvoyant. So I'll have signs and symbols that I work with that come up pretty regularly for me. And sometimes I like, I, I think clients can get a little bit stuck on if it's like an exact symbol from their loved one, or if the loved one is just sharing a symbol with me to get a message through, does that make sense? Like the sort of difference between that. So what are some things that you do to sort of describe your work to like a brand new client or, or how, how this all works for you? It's really tough for me, like, which is why it took so damn long to send you that bio, because I hate describing what I do. I'm I've I've got like six planets in water. So I am just like, I'm emotion, I want to feel it. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to feel it, you know, so I have a really hard time analyzing and speaking about what I do. But if I'm thinking about it, you know, like the way I receive information is a lot of feelings, you know, I'm pretty clear audience. So I will hear words, I'll hear laugh, I'll, you know, laughter, I'll hear messages a lot. But then mostly I just feel people's emotions, you know, especially in mediumship. I'll, you know, and even as I'm saying that, I guess sometimes it does come through as images, but but I'm not clairvoyant in that I, I don't see things in the outer world. Anything I ever see in a reading is happening in my mind's eye. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Yeah. yeah okay. Which I guess, I don't know. That's like a me. Like, I, I feel like I judge myself because I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to see a spirit in my room. You know, <laughs> it's, just like it's very jarring. Just letting you know. <laughs> I believe it. Like I felt them in my room and that's jarring enough, you know, Yeah. but it's like, and I think one of the reasons that I have a hard time describing it is when I'm in the moment, I'm just going, you know, it's like, it's like, I could quantify it and say, yes, I hear things. Yes. I feel things. Yes. Sometimes I see things, but in the moment it's happening so quickly. It's like, I'm not, I'm not thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as someone with anxiety, I have learned that if I give myself a moment to think about it, then it becomes harder for me to discern those messages. So yes. I, I just have to blurt, you know? <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. What about any, like, like something I struggle with in mediumship is I think a lot of the time people expect that 
the way messages come through are super clear and there's no need for interpretation or there's no need for any input. And especially with faces and like what your loved one might look like, look like I, I'll get like a look of hair, I'll get a color of eyes, but I very rarely see it's happened for me. Sometimes I'll get maybe like a body shape or like things like that, but I very rarely see the exact person sitting in front of me in my mind's eye. And I think people sometimes like sitters can struggle with that. Do you have any, any sort of like thoughts on that? Yeah, totally. Because that's something that I really judged myself for, you know, and when I got into this, I was observing mediums like Jonathan Edward and Char Margolis and James von Prague, who, who get very specific things, you know, they get very specific um, almost analytical information about the person. And it took me a long time to understand that I'm just not an analytical person. I'm much more emotional. So it's easier for me to receive emotional information. I don't get names. I, I've, I don't, I've never gotten a name. I'm so I'll, bad at names. Yeah, I'll see people in my mind's eye, but I guarantee you they're not what your loved ones actually look like. You know, it's, it's one of those things where if it's a grandma that I'm picking up on, I will just see a stereotypical grandma walking forward, you know? And then once I feel into her, I'll get her emotions, I'll get her personality, but I'm not necessarily getting anything about her appearance. And I have had to, you know, depending on the person, I have had to kind of explain that to people for a couple of years I was doing, which I will never do again. I was doing uh, readings at like a psychic shop in town. Mm. And I recently stopped a couple months ago because I just realized that it's not the work I like to do because it's a lot of like 15 minute readings with strangers and they sit down and they're testing you, you know, and if you don't give them the information that they want, they don't trust you. And that's just not how I work. You know, I, I, I prefer to sit down with an hour, you know, with a person and, and, and feel into these emotions. And, and, and I'm very grateful that my clients outside of that shop, and it's because most of them find me on social media by the time they book a session with me they already have an idea of who I am they already kind of get my personality so they're much more understanding of my process when we're in a reading together and and I'm grateful to my guides because I think they really you know have set that up for me that the people who find me it's because I know how to help them and they understand my process yeah I think that is so important because you will get the the testers or just people who want it to be really super specific. Like if you get one detail or if you interpret one detail wrong, it's like, well, it couldn't be that. It's like, okay. (laughs) No. How do you feel? Like, I also love feeling into people's personalities, like really bringing that through because I feel like it's apart from like any evidence, like where they grew up or like, you know, all that sort of evidential stuff. It's like, that is how somebody can really feel into if it's their person on the other side coming through the way that I do that. I'm not sure if I've shared this on the podcast yet, but this is one of my favorite ways. I have sort of this room that I've built within my mind's eye and I invite any loved ones to come through. So I have a door that they'll walk through and then I have chairs they can sit in and I pour them tea. And that is like those three things, how they sit in the chair, how they come through the door, if they refuse my tea or not, do they pick it up? Do they want a beer? You know, like it just brings through so much personality and it really helps me feel into who I have and helps confirm. And I'm wondering if you have sort of like a process for how you feel into like the personality of whoever's coming through for you. Like not really, but uh, that's fascinating. I'm going to, I may steal that and try that. Um, because I love that idea because I do meditations like that, you know, if I want to chat with a spirit guide or if I want to, you know, meet with a new spirit being, I have this like cabin in the woods that I see myself walking up to when I open the door and there's a table with two chairs and and they're there. I've never thought to do that in a reading, but I kind of love that. I, for me, I don't really have a process. I just, you know, I always do like an opening prayer, you know, just to clear my energy field, move my ego to the side, make sure that I'm bringing in the right information. And that's really the only ritual I do before, you know, or during the session. When a loved one comes through, 
I just see it in like the void, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a room. It's just the liminal space. And a lot of the times what I'll start seeing first is like a crowd of people. And I usually associate that with the team, the loved ones, the angels, the guides, the ancestors, all that stuff. And then if someone wants to come through, I may feel something like in my body first. Like if it's a maternal figure, usually my heart starts buzzing and then I may be you know, and then maybe I'll see someone walking forward from the crowd. And I guess if I'm calling on someone, I'm just trying to think in the moment of like, no, if I'm calling on someone, usually it starts the same way. Usually I'll Mm -hmm. see the team. And then the more I call that person's name, that person will eventually step forward and then we'll get some feelings from there. But it's, yeah, for me, it just happens really And I think, again, that's because of my anxiety. I'm not a rules person. I'm a loosey-goosey person. So I just kind of go and and I'm open to whatever happens. (laughs) I love that. I think that's so cool. I I feel like it sounds like you work a lot. Like you said, you're clairaudient too. So you hear words and phrases and and all that good Mm -hmm. stuff. But it sounds like you work a lot like within your body kind of and in those feelings and receiving things in a really like maybe a different way than I do. And I just think that is so cool. Like there's, I just love that it shows that there's a thousand, a hundred thousand different ways to do this and it's still valid. Um, because yeah, I go through the same thing of like self-judgment, like why can't I see this person clearly, or why can't I bring through this exactly as it needs to be said and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I just appreciate being able to share Yeah. You know, I'm like, I work with my body a lot. I'm a big somatic therapy person and I'm a big like Tantra person because my trauma response throughout life is dissociation. When I'm in a situation that freaks me out, I leave my body. And so part of my healing journey was like feeling comfortable in my body again. And it made me realize, at least for, for me, like, my body holds on to my intuition, you know, like if I, well, that's why we say gut feeling, you know, it's like there are receptors in here. So I get a lot of hits of like, um, you know, if, if even without mediumship, if I'm doing a reading for someone and my back starts hurting or my neck starts hurting, that's usually a message, you know, when we work through that. Yeah. Yeah. My body is definitely a teammate in my readings. (laughs) I love that because I feel like I am much more, it's rare that I get body feelings. Like sometimes if somebody is trying to communicate how they passed away, I will get like feelings in my chest or lungs, like Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, but it's not, it doesn't happen to me every reading. So I think that is super cool. Yeah. What are some of your favorite ways on your own, like on your own time and, and within your own personal work to access your intuition? Gosh, you know, I've honestly really been struggling with maintaining my own spiritual practice the last couple of years, partly because, uh, you know, I, I do this work for a living. And so it's like, I'm in this all the time with other people that I don't always give myself that time to tune in. And then partly because because of where the world has has gotten to in the last couple of years, you know, I've been struggling with like the faith in the magic of all of this a little bit, which is interesting because I've never stopped doing this work and the messages are always there in readings, but in my own life, I have had a hard time kind of feeling the love of the universe every once in a while in these past few years and I'm really trying to come back to it now and, and it slowly. And so for me, um, walking in nature is huge. I'm a Scorpio. So I love like walking in a cemetery. I find that so comforting and there's always spirits hanging around in cemeteries. Yoga. I mean, because I'm a body person, I like to really use my body to help me engage in this. And then I've also had to forgive myself for not like sitting down and doing the practice and doing the meditation and discovering, oh, my intuition still exists when I'm watching TV. Like, can I play a game? Can I guess what t-shirt the person on the first commercial is going to be wearing, you know, or can I, um, you know, can I feel people's angels over their cars as I'm driving by them? You know, I've really tried to like bring those little games into my life because, hey, right now I'm not a hardcore meditator, you know, so. 
And I think for me, it's like, well, this, this, this stuff's everywhere. You know what I mean? Like you're never not tuned into your intuition. You just, sometimes it takes a little more to find it depending on what you're doing in your day. I just absolutely love everything that you just said. And I so appreciate your just absolute honesty. Like, I think, especially, obviously you do this work full time. So it's like, I think there's probably a pressure to, yeah, have your own spiritual routine all figured out. And I love that you allow for flexibility because I think we're human beings, just like the ocean, we ebb and flow. And sometimes we're going to be really on one thing. Maybe it's meditative yoga for a month or two, and then we're walking in nature for a month or two. And I think it's like so wonderful that we can all give ourselves grace in the moment that we're in instead of forcing ourselves to be in a specific practice all the time. But I've struggled with that too. I'm, I, and I, I definitely also really, I think a lot of us can relate to what you say about like feeling the love of the universe. Like what's up right now? (laughs) What's going on? So yeah, I, I just really appreciate your, your like vulnerability in sharing that. And I think that's really important for people to hear. So it's tough. It was important. It was well, and I didn't even realize until like the spring that I was like depressed most of last winter, you know, and, and that's really, it was the winter season that I just stopped meditating and, and was not talking to my guides outside of a reading was not doing any of that stuff outside of a reading. And I think I, and, and I was dissociating and I didn't realize that I was dissociating, but again, that's my trauma response. And I had to kind of come to terms with like, you, yeah, you don't have the same faith that you did when you started this. And when I got into this, you know, I think it's really normal when you first approach this new age world to be like so caught up in the love and light that could border on spiritual bypassing. Mm. And I think I had to kind of clear that out of my life mixed with the chaos that's happening in the world. I kind of had a moment of like, is there any love and light here? Like, what is this? What is, what do I believe in? I will always believe in guides. I will always believe in the consciousness of the universe because that's what I work with. And I have evidence every single day of, yeah, you know, this stuff is real, but it's the faith thing that I've really has been shaken. And I'm, and I'm just still, you know, rebuilding, which is scary to say. And, and imposter syndrome comes up because like, shouldn't I have the answers, but I don't. You know? <laughs> yes. So important to remember that uh, whoever's listening right now, like your favorite psychic medium is still a human being, <laughs> like still have completely human experiences every single day, you know? And yeah, just, just, I just want to mention also what you said about like your intuition doesn't just like, you can access your intuition at any time of day. Um, I think that's so important. Like when I realized that, like, I feel like I have a really strong connection with my guides. I really love chatting with them. And that has really ebbed and flowed for me in the past year or so as well. Sometimes I feel really connected. Sometimes I'm like, where the hell is everyone? You know? (laughs) but I love, um, just that you mentioned like, yeah, like you can chat with your guides in the car. You don't have to be in a deep, deep meditation. Um, so super important just for people to know what are your, some of your favorite things about this work? Oh my God. Like everything. Big question. Big question. (laughs) Big question. (laughs) I mean, for me again, because this like truly, like before I get into this, I was like suicidal. Like this would not I'm 29. I would not have made it to 29 if I, if this didn't become a part of my life. So, I mean, instantly it's like, that's the most grateful thing that I, to me about this work is there is my life before getting into this. And there is my life after getting into this. And any challenge that comes my way, yes, my depression kicks up still every once in a while. Yes. You know, a panic attack pops up every once in a while, but I will never be as like alone or as lost as I was before I got into this, because at the end of the day, like my faith may, you know, may ebb and flow and I may not fully know who, you know, the answers to the universe, but like, I do always know that I have my guides. I do always know every minute of every day that I have ancestors, that I have angels, that I have a team, we all do have teams, crowds of people around us, supporting us, hanging out with us, 
helping us. And, you know, and don't get me wrong. I love helping other people. I love that feeling of when someone leaves the session and, and you can just feel that they're feeling better than they were when they sat down with you. I love that. But I really think the, selfishly, I'm most grateful for the relationship that I have with my spirit people and the knowledge that like, I could never be alone. I could never be lost if I wanted to. Couldn't happen, you know? I love that. Mm. That is, and I feel like I'm notorious on this podcast for saying I love that after like so many things that people say, but I truly love that. It's just, oh, that feels so good. And, and that feels like it's going to bring a lot of comfort to people listening to this episode, mm. which is so, so important. I think we all love to think that we're not alone. And I think it's really important. Like we're, we're human beings, we're community beings, you know, we're meant for community. So, um, yeah, even when you're alone, maybe you're alone listening to this episode right now, driving in your car, washing your dishes. And I invite you to just take a moment and tap into your senses and see if you can um, feel your guides or feel any loved ones around you. So go ahead and do that. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what about, are there any myths about mediumship in particular that you would like to dispel? I think the biggest is that if you weren't born with it, you can't do it. I think that's, uh, just simply not true. Oh gosh. I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I would love to dispel in the spiritual community. And they, and a lot of them have to do with self shame and self judgment. You know, I think it's ridiculous to say that, you know, you have to be a fully whole healed person to do this work. You can't have any ego to do this work. You have to, you know, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't put anything, you can't eat a hamburger. I think all of that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And I, and well, I don't know. Is there anything else? I mean, yeah. And I guess like the idea that the idea that it's something that you have to like work at, well, it, it is to an extent, but again, to me, like the work in becoming a medium is not to like learn how to tune in to loved ones. It's to get your doubt out of the way so you can trust when you're to, so you can discern when, when the loved one's there and what they're saying, you know? Yeah. 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 Love it. I think like you mentioned, sort of like the, there's, a, there's part of the spiritual community that is like there's like been so many rules created in terms of, yeah, like drinking or smoking or using psychedelics or not using psychedelics and all of that stuff. And I think, yeah, it's just good to point out, like, you got to do it your own way, it, whatever that means for you. If you feel yeah. like you need to not eat a McDonald's hamburger again, go ahead and do that. But there's, you know, there shouldn't be any shame for somebody who loves to go and get their Big Mac. <laughs> and really, I mean, at least for myself, like being raised very strictly Christian, I, one of the benefits of me getting into this work was to like release the confines that Christianity put me, put on me. And I never really could have imagined that within the spiritual community, there's a lot of like Christian puritanical undertones with the rules and it's my way or the highway and you have to be perfect and blah, 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 blah. It's like, do we not understand that this is some very like evangelical stuff that y'all are preaching is bad, but y'all are using those rules to divine your version of the new age world. And I, yeah, I just think that only hurts you. It gets you further away from your intuition because your intuition may work beautifully with a glass of wine. So have a damn glass of wine, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. I think we really see that, especially right now with a lot of sort of the divine feminine, divine masculine stuff popping up. It's, uh, it's just weird to see like it's like weird, almost like classic Christianity teachings and um, yes. on what a masculine person should be and what a feminine person should be and, and like all the stuff. And when really we have both of those things inside of us and yeah, it is really interesting. So it's, it's always good to remind ourselves to just invite discernment in and be like, does this sound right to me in my intuition? Does this feel right and true? Right. Um, very important question to ask for sure. 
Yeah. And like, and, and for some people, those rules are awesome and beautiful. You know, like I know a lot of people who need structure, need guidelines, they ritualize their practice, you know, and, and that's lovely. That's wonderful. I can't do that. It, it goes back to my anxiety. If I have too many rules, I get overwhelmed and I'm going to fail before I even start. So mm-hmm. what has helped me is to eliminate the idea of rules. I yeah. just agree, you know? Yeah. This is going to be kind of a big one, but since we're talking about mediumship, I think it's, it's good to maybe touch on it or interesting to touch on it. And obviously, as we discussed earlier, like, I don't even know the answer to this. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on it. Obviously, organized religion tells us where we go when we die. What are your thoughts on it? What are some things that you've sort of received from, you know, doing so many mediumship readings about what, you know, life is like on the other side of the veil? Yeah. So, I mean, what I've gathered from doing this work is reincarnation is death a thing, at least in my belief system. And well, I guess I'll start with like before we get here and then we'll talk about what happens after we get here. In from what I've seen or talked to from people, it's like before we come into this physical life, we plan it. Like we write the movie script, you know, we 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 choose our parents, we choose our friends, we choose our lovers, we choose the passions that we're going to have, the desires that we're going to have with the goal of gaining something at the end of this life, of learning something, you know? And I think we go from planet to planet. This planet is a tough one, but you know what? Like people learn through adversity. So of course we we come to this planet of like chaos and and disintegration. And at the end of it, I think, I feel based on like the people that I've talked to that lifetime after lifetime, what I'm trying to gain here is unity on this planet. And, and, and in order to gain that unity, I have to, you know, if in this lifetime, I'm going to learn forgiveness. So I'm going to give myself some parents who just don't get me or maybe abuse me. I'm going to give myself a couple of relationships that are really toxic. I'm going to give myself um, I'm going to give myself a best friend who is my ally, who gets me and supports me through all of this. You know, I'm going to write myself this perfect little movie script. So hopefully by the end of this, I have learned forgiveness. I can tick that off the list. I'll come back and I'll do something else. So it's, yeah. And then, and then I, and then when we're here, we do have free will, you know, you have the movie script, but then when you're here, you're not looking at the movie script. That's what your guides are for. They're, you know, they're in the director's chair, just making sure you're doing what the script wanted you to do. And then when we pass and we get back to the other side, it usually takes people, I like I say, you know, we've got to get our sea legs over there. It takes a little bit of time to to transition, to be like, oh, okay, all right, I'm not in a body anymore. I've got to get used to, to life without a physical body. Life just is energy. Some people phrase it as watching the movie of your life, but, it, you know, you go into a life review. You have to look. You have to kind of, you wrote the script. Now you got to watch the final cut. You have to make sure that you did what you were supposed to do, what was missing, what happened that wasn't supposed to blah, 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 blah. And then as we're doing that, because time's not a thing over there, you know, your loved ones can be in three different places as one at once. As we're doing that, a lot of our loved ones then help us and watch over us. And, and especially in family trees, I have found that like, there's usually a person in each generation that has kind of agreed to be like the family bodyguard that like does most of the work. Um, But depending on your relationship with that person, you know, like if you had a really crummy relationship with your mother, then your mother may not be your, your person that helps you on the other side. It may be your grandmother. It may be the aunt that, that really cared for you and supported for you. So, you know, we have that person that kind of helps the family before that generation goes on the other side. Some people come back into the same family tree over and over again. Some people don't, some people, you know, we, depending on the lifetime, depending on what you need, we are every gender, every race in every country all over this planet. And then, you know, if you really want to get down to it, then we go to other planets and we're aliens and we're all these other beings, you know, 
Yeah, that's what I know. I mean, well, that's what I believe based on what I've, you know, chatted with dead people about. (laughs) (laughs) What we do after this, I have no idea. I don't Mm. know if there's a graduation ceremony here and then we go somewhere else. I have no idea. I, I also, I do past life regressions as part of my work and I have had past life regressions with myself and with clients who have been on other planets. So I don't necessarily think it's sequential. You do earth and then you do Mars. I think you can go back and forth, but yeah, like a lot of this is a mystery. (laughs) Fascinating. Yeah. I sometimes think about this might sound morbid, but yeah, sometimes I do think about like after I die and what it's going to feel like to know again almost like to understand what happens and like to be in that not that body because I don't think that we go with these 10 fingers and 10 toes Mm -hmm. um but yeah like what is it gonna feel like and it's just so interesting for me like I'm just like whoa it like blows my mind to think about really and I like part of it I like it to be a mystery like I don't want to know every single thing that's so boring but yeah I just wanted to get your opinion one thing I really have trouble sort of justifying in terms of sort of like the choosing that life script is um, like the abuse stuff. Like I I just can't wrap my head around that somebody would choose to like come down and inflict like really terrible pain like that. And so I'm wondering like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, like justification isn't the right word, but what, what's, how do you, how do you like wrap your head around that part of it in, in your belief system? It's tough. I mean, it's really tough to wrap your head around all of the darkness on this planet, you know, and, and, and this is where it gets into such tricky territory, because I don't ever want anyone to think that I'm saying you deserve this because you chose this, like, that's not it at all. And also, like, I I am a person who believes based on what my guides have told me based on, you know, reading after reading of talking to loved ones on the other side, that's a recurring thing that you hear is, I chose my story, I chose my story for a reason. And it was for me to learn and for the other people involved to learn. I have a, a Logically, I believe that my heart believes that I have a hard time reckoning with the abuse, the, the violence, the, you know, I don't, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why we need those experiences and what I don't know. I mean, I guess I can only talk about my perspective and, you know, I I never went through severe abuse thank God. But I did really have like, I mean, I was like 14 years old, cutting myself, like 18 years old, trying to leave, you know, I like had a very dark period of my life. And would I choose to go back there? Hell no. Do I love that I wrote that movie script for myself? Hell no. But I don't think I would be who I am today if I didn't have that experience. You know, I, it wouldn't have pushed me to get help to then find this thing that I know I meant to do. So, and that's just my experience. I can't speak for anyone else, but I have to believe that there's a why, even though I don't like it, I have to believe it because at you know get rid of spirit guides get rid of reincarnation get rid of all this stuff and just come to like we're a conscious organism this universe and there's an organization to all of this chaos and at the baseline i believe that there's an organization to all of this chaos and i may not get it but i trust i trust that there is you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, yeah, it's just something I think about a lot and I'm still sort of making my, my own mind up about it. So I always appreciate people. Um, yeah. Well, and it's tough as a because it's like, you know, we have people asking us that and, 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 and it breaks my heart when I have a reading with someone who has gone through severe abuse and we're working through that together. And, and I, I wish I had an answer. I asked their guides, can you give me anything, you know, and, and they don't, 
usually give me an answer of why it needed to happen. And, and I, and I hate that because I wish that I could provide more comfort to the people who are seeing me and we're working through that stuff, but I can't, I can't because I don't have the answer, you know, yeah. and that's tough. You know, as someone who takes this work really damn seriously and wants to help people. Yeah. It's not easy to deal with the fact that I don't have the why we don't have the why, you know? Yeah. Yep. There's like, you know, there's so much we're never going to know for sure. Um, so I totally appreciate you just exploring that with me for a few minutes. Um, yeah. it's an important conversation to have. I think mm -hmm. this has been such a fun conversation. I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. Our uh, typical opening the door last question. And that is what can someone who's listening right now do in their life to open their door a little bit more to their psychic mediumship abilities? I mean, aside from meditation, which I've mentioned like a million times, just be interested in this and follow the rabbit hole, you know, like investigate, listen to a podcast, YouTube, a psychic that you like, um, go to the used bookstore and just peruse the this the the psychic section. I mean, uh, when people ask me that question or or ask me like, I'm so overwhelmed. How do I get into this? I always say there's no wrong way to get into this. You know, if you set the intention of I want to develop my intuition a little bit more, the universe will do the rest. The universe will put that book in front of you or put that mentor in front of you. So set the intention and trust the process and follow the rabbit hole. If you find something that you're interested in, follow it. You know, when I got into this, I was living in a studio apartment and I, my walls were like covered with just random intuitive factoids, a poster that I just wrote up of chakras and crystals and essences. And I just, immersed myself in it. And I really think it was just that daily research and being in it that, that did the rest, you know, I just went down the lazy river. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love the idea of setting the intention to do that. I think that's yeah. a really cool tip. I'm not sure anybody that's been anybody's answer yet. So I really, oh. I really love that one. Again, this has been such a lovely conversation. Oh, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Yeah. So, um, I am on Instagram at Molly, the medium. My website is Molly, the You can book, like I said, I do traditional readings. I do coaching sessions, which are for people who want to learn how to work with their intuition or want kind of a life coaching therapy situation with an intuitive approach. And then I also offer past life regressions on my website. So you can go there and book anything and, you know, I'm, I'm chill. I'm easy to talk to. If you have questions, DM me, email me. I will email you back. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. Molly, thank you so, so much for being here. I absolutely loved having this conversation with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was lovely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from Opening the Door, follow along on Instagram at Opening the Door Podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email openingthedoorpodcast at gmail.com and you might have your question included in one of our future Q&A episodes.